Just in and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Welcome back into College Golf Talk. Burko and Brentley with you. The calendar says 2022. That means we have returned. The spring season is underway. Brentley, hope you had a great holiday. Happy New Year. And I know there's a lot that excites you about the next four months. What are a few things uh, piquing your interest on this uh, kickoff to the new year? Well, Burko, first of all, it's great to be back. I, I know we had a chance to spend a little bit of time together out in Westlake Village, California for the Southwestern. Um, but yeah, good to be back talking on the pod. Obviously, tons of things going on in both the men's and the women's side. I mean, Stanford women potentially could be the greatest team of all time. They're undefeated as they head into the spring. Um, and there's really not, I mean, it's kind of exciting to see who's going to kind of step up and challenge them. And then on, on the men's side, I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm counting maybe six or seven teams that really feel like they could probably be the team to beat once we get into May. So um, tons of tons of storylines, tons of great golf on tap and just excited to get going. Absolutely. We'll take a little bit of a look at the spring, some early results already in and to kick things off in 2022. One of the all time greats in the last decade in college golf, a Stanford legend. Maverick McNeely going to join us on College Golf Talk in just a little bit. And of course, we couldn't do this without our good friends of Velocity Global as they seamlessly connect employers and talent, anyone, anywhere, anytime, anyhow. Its global work platform is built on a cloud-based technology, compliance expertise, and unmatched scale in 185 countries and all 50 United States. The world of work is forever changed. We all know that. Talent can live anywhere, work for anyone, and get the job done. And more than a thousand businesses engage top talent in another state or another country without the need to set up a foreign entity or registration. And they rely on Velocity Global to make it simple and compliant. Velocity Global accelerates the future of work. If you'd like to learn more, visit velocityglobal.com slash golf. We promised you, Maverick McNeely, let's wait no time. Let's get right into our conversation with the 11-time winner for the Stanford Cardinal. Absolutely thrilled to kick off 2022 on the podcast with a special guest, someone Brentley and I have gotten to know through the years during his years at Stanford, now on the PGA Tour at Pebble Beach this week. We'll get to the professional golf a little bit later on, but Maverick McNeely, kind enough to take some time out of his uh, preparation for this week's tour event. And Maverick, always good to see you. And let's sort of go back to sort of how it all started as this is college golf talk. 
a college-centric podcast. How did Stanford become your choice? Why was Stanford the right choice? What was that decision-making like for you? Well, it's not like I had a ton of choices if I wanted to play college golf, I guess. Um, there was only one other school that actually offered me a spot on their team by the time I committed to Stanford. And uh, I grew up 10 minutes down the road playing the Stanford golf course. And uh, it was always just a dream of mine to, to be on that Stanford golf team. I'd see that wall with all the team members up there. And it was a pretty cool day when I finally got my picture up on that wall, like one that I'd walked by a million times in the clubhouse. So. Um, I was just super fortunate that Coach Ray took a chance on uh, another hockey player. I think the fact that he likes hockey helped out and uh, worked out great. Talk about the hockey background. What was the balance growing up between hockey and golf and maybe when the decision was that golf was going to be your avenue? I played more hockey than golf growing up all the way through my senior year of high school. Uh, I think I decided that hockey probably wasn't going to be a career path for me when I was 155 pounds soaking wet and uh, – played up in Canada a couple of times. I realized those guys are pretty good. And uh, the, the Northern California junior golf scene was awesome. I played, you know, here at Pebble, I, I was, uh, I played Spyglass this morning and that's where I played all the NorCal match play events, NorCal junior and uh, against a lot of really good players, Bryson DeChambeau, Cameron Champ, uh, a bunch of guys on the Corn Ferry tour. So um, that's, that's kind of made that decision for me and uh, it worked out well, I think. You touched on the fact that there wasn't a lot of interest from other schools around the country for your golf acumen. What did that do for you motivation-wise as you started at Stanford to set goals, expectations? Uh, boy, I'm going to show everyone else uh, maybe what they missed. I, honestly, it wasn't even that. I was just I was just really excited to have the opportunity. It was my dream school. I felt like the luckiest kid out there, and uh, I just wanted to be the best teammate I could be. When I got there, I thought – my freshman year, if I qualified for two events, that would be an awesome year. And uh, I played a couple in the fall and uh, had, had a couple top tens by the end of my freshman year. So in, in that way, I kind of exceeded those expectations and had no expectations when I started out. I was completely unranked. Um, I think nobody even knew who I was. So that was a, it was kind of a cool place to play from. Well, you certainly changed everyone's perception in terms of knowing who Maverick McNeely was at Stanford. But I also believe part of your equation to getting to Stanford and beyond is from your family, how you grew up, the four boys all in the same room, your father, a very successful man in Silicon Valley. If you would, what was that dynamic like growing up as the son of Scott McNeely and the oldest of four boys? Well, my dad from the get-go, he always preached membership in the McNeely team. And uh, you know, my, my golf is a business now and I, I named business team Mav. like it's it's everything is about a team and uh played hockey growing up it was a team sport and uh that's how we were raised with me and my three brothers is that uh you're all part of the same team and so we slept in the same room growing up we uh, we had to get along because we were going to be spending eight and a half hours uh about five feet apart every single night and uh you know it was it was great dad was such a great role model for me he he always worked incredibly hard he was telling us these stories about how when he started out he was working at a uh, a plastic manufacturing plant in Indiana and he would he was working these you know, 14 hour days and get back with and he'd fall asleep literally in the chair with his dinner on his lap kind of gross but uh, he'd get up and do it again and, and worked worked his way to where he got and so that was a huge uh, inspiration for me and, and where I am right now I'm 26 years old um, you know have nothing or no one to really worry about or think about no family uh, anything. So I, I'm, I'm kind of in that same phase of life right now where golf is my life and I'm, I'm working as hard as I possibly can to get, to get, to be my best right now. And then, 
Um, the other one is dad used to always say, if there's, if you can even see the bright red line between what's right and what's wrong, you just turn around and run the other direction. And uh, I really respect about how he drilled in with me and my three brothers to always do things with integrity, do things the right way. Uh, kind of stinks because last year I had three penalties of accidentally causing the ball to move. Actually, one here at, at Pebble Beach cost me a shot on uh, Saturday um, where I just put my ball, my club down right next to the ball and the ball oscillated just a, a little little fraction. But in, in our household, that's not even a question. If it moves, you call an official and you get it right. And uh, those are two things that I'm really proud of is, is work ethic and integrity. And, um, you know, that my three brothers are uh, and I are, are the closest um, we could be. We, we played golf together as a family. That was what we did. That's where we spent time together. And uh, they're, they're all great, great guys doing awesome things, too. As the founder of Sun Microsystems, another line or statement you have shared me, uh, with me through the years, your dad would tell you, to whom much is given, much is expected. How has that changed over the course of maybe the last five years for you? Well, I don't think it's really changed. I think um, I, I think I'm looking at, at at golf as something I'm good at. And uh, my dad always told us, he goes, "Don't chase your passions; chase what you're really good at. Figure out something you're good at and try and be the best at it, and and work your tail off at that." And found that to be golf. I was good at golf, and um, I want to be even better at it. And uh, he says it's kind of our responsibility with the opportunities we have to give back in every way we can. So. Uh, three and a half years ago, I started Birdies for Education, which uh, benefits Curriki. It's an education nonprofit that, uh, that that's basically trying to make the highest quality education and educational materials completely free for K through 12 students anywhere. Anyone who has uh, an internet connection can can use these. And we created this product called Curriki Studio, which basically helps anyone create uh, really interactive, engaging at home or independent learning experiences. So. That's been huge for me. We've raised about $900,000. I donate $100 of my own money for every birdie I've made for the last three seasons on the PGA Tour. So that was uh, forty-five grand, I think, last year, something in that. And, and it's just I'm really passionate about it. I've had incredible educational experiences, and I see uh, the doors that opens. And the other one is junior golf and getting more people into junior golf. And I've done a bunch of junior clinics in uh, in Las Vegas for, you know, just any local juniors that want to get better at golf, want to learn golf and the smile on their faces when they hit a great shot is awesome. And I know it's going to keep them coming back. So, um, I'm really fortunate to have these opportunities in the game of golf and, uh, from going to the Harker school and Stanford, uh, in education. And I want to share that with as many people as possible. Now, Mav, I saw on social media, you actually went and visited the Stanford golf team just a couple of days ago before they headed off to Hawaii. What's it like stepping back on campus with all that you accomplished there, whether it be academically or uh, athletically with 11 wins? Um, well, I had so many great memories from from being at school. Uh, just those practices and, and Siebel, I think, is the greatest practice facility in the world. It was in pure shape, too, when I was there. And um, I, I've learned a lot in my last five years out on tour though. And I was really excited to share those with those things. And it, it brought back memories of my sophomore year when Tiger came to campus for three days and he told us so many different things that kind of blew our mind. And um, what really stuck with me about Tiger visiting campus was that he didn't do anything drastically different than I, uh, I guess what I was doing at that time. He just did it better. And he was doing what he was doing better than anybody else. He worked harder. Uh, he was more focused, more efficient and got more out of what he was doing. And, um, 
it's the only thing I left those guys with was uh, nobody goes to Stanford to be mediocre. So when you show up, you want to work and you want to be the best. And they're a great group of players. Um, they obviously have a ton of talent and uh, it's fun to see the, them have some success. And, you know, they've won a national championship. I, I told them that, you know, I really, really wanted to win a national championship with the team when I was there and we didn't. They won after I was gone. And um, I said, just make sure that for the four years that you're there, that you give it everything you have, because if you don't, um, you're going to regret it. And uh, I'm, I'm pumped to see those guys. They're going to have a great spring. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Now, the balance between, you know, tournaments and practice, schoolwork, other extracurriculars that you may have in college is one thing at a school like Burko and I went to. But at Stanford, it's a <laughs> completely different animal. I mean, you were an industrial engineering major. Can, can you take us back to maybe a particular tournament or moment during your college career where you were really challenged by that balance and how you were able to, to overcome yeah. that? My junior year was put me through the ringer for sure. I mean, my Tuesdays, um, so at, on the Stanford team, we would always have practice in the afternoon and qualifying Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And I was really proud to schedule all my classes. It was a MSNE was a big unit load. And um, so it was... My two, I, I had winter quarter my junior year, and I had to take all of my um, afternoon classes in that one quarter. So my Tuesdays, I would wake up, have uh, 6.30 a.m. workouts. I'd have breakfast from 8 to 8.30. I would practice at Siebel from 9 till 12.30, go cram a quick lunch, and then I'd have class straight from 1 till 6, have a quick dinner, and then I'd have lab from 7.30 to 9. And that was my Tuesday. And then I, I didn't even start my homework. So, um that was a grind and uh but it's it, it taught me discipline it taught me work ethic and more than anything it, it you know I, I said that when i was there i said that the true measure of how badly you want something is what you're willing to sacrifice for it and i was willing to sacrifice late nights hanging out with buddies and, and going to parties and drinking and all that for trying to be the best student and athlete that i could be and i took pride in going to bed early i took pride in being the first guy on my floor to go to sleep and the first guy awake and um, I, I loved being out in the practice facility at 7 a.m. on a Saturday morning, knowing that most people across all of college golf weren't getting better at that time, and I was. Are you still that same guy now? First, uh, I'm, I'm first even more of a morning person. Week? Yeah, it's I, I've, I've really become a morning person, especially this last year. Um, it's uh, it's really hot in Vegas in the summer, so I'm on the golf course at 5:30 in the morning and and have my work done by 10. 10 30 um in the winter i'm in the gym at seven every morning probably four or five days a week uh so yeah i love getting a head start on my day and then knowing everyone else has to catch up then uh being behind on myself now not to downplay the role that your college coach conrad ray had in your development but we know that at stanford you have so many resources available to you in the classroom is there a particular professor or class that you feel really influenced your professional career? Um, professional career. I'm, well, I actually took one kind of fun one unit class on, uh, 
it was, a, it was an Excel class and, and it was all about using this like little, it, it sounds complicated. It wasn't that hard. The software made it really easy. It was like simulations. So you'd run these data simulations, but it taught me to be really comfortable in Excel. And I used Excel to do all of my stats in school. It's how I organize my personal finances. It's how I use my goal setting. It's how I do, um, you know, a bunch of different things. I, I, I organize my life in Excel. So I think that was one of the things that helped me a lot. Um, but MSNE taught me to take a lot of information and drill down into something that's actually useful. And so even when Travis and I are over a golf shot, figuring out, you know, all we're trying to take into account the lie, the, the wind, the temperature, how far the ball's flying, where we're trying to hit it. Like there's so much information we're taking into account every single shot, but we need to dial that into this type of golf swing at that target, that number. Like it, it has to be very simple by the time I pull the trigger. So it's, uh, it's kind of uh, a different way of looking at the way I did everything in, in my major. Let me jump in because let's go back four, five, six years ago. You and I spent a day together, Monday at Pebble Beach week. You're still in college. We're doing a big feature. And a few things jumped out to me. One is the inordinate amount of work you put in basically extrapolating data from your college performances. Patrick mm -hmm. Brock maybe gave you a little heads up of how to break it mm -hmm. down into what you ate, how did you feel, how did you play mm -hmm. that day. Describe for those listening the amount of work that it took to do and how much of that shot link Maverick McNeely style still exists for you on the PGA Tour. It does. I, uh, I, did, I do recaps literally every night when I'm at a tournament. Even last night, I wrote down what I did in practice, what I was feeling, what feels worked, what didn't feel good. Um, literally anything important or noteworthy from the day, uh, usually about a paragraph. And I do that for every tournament. Uh, do my basic stats, which is easier now that the PGA Tour does it for me, basically. Um, and I look for patterns. So I showed up at Mayakoba last year and I was having trouble chipping out of the rough. And Travis actually said to me, he goes, I think you figured out something last year in this chipping. So I went back on my phone to the 2020 recaps and looked at Mayakoba 2020. And I described the way I was chipping out of that rough and tried it and it worked. So that, that to me is super useful there. I develop patterns. It makes me think critically about what's making me play well and what's not. Um, I think my document for 2021 was something like 60,000 words. So there's a lot of stuff there. And, and I've documented every competitive round or day since my freshman year of college. Also that night, you'll remember we were getting some B-roll shots and we ended up in the night with the smoke machines and you hit a bunch of eight irons out on the range. Brentley, it's pitch dark. The next morning, Maverick texts me thanking me for the time when I should be thanking him, but also told me his dispersion pattern on the eight irons was a lot better than he would have thought, considering the fact he was hitting into the dark. True story, Maverick? Yeah, I remember I went out there and I was like, that was pretty good. <laughs> that's, that's, that's nice. What was the dispersion? Do you remember? I, it, I think it was like 10 feet by 10 feet. I hit like 10, 15 balls in a, in a 15 foot circle. I was pretty happy about that. Yes, it's impressive. Also, something on that week heading into it, you were still very much up in the air about turning professional or not. I didn't buy it. I didn't think someone as talented as you could not go professional. I left a day with you thinking, I'll be darned. 
this might not be your end all. What ultimately was the deciding factor or factors for you to say, you know what, I'm going to give it a go? You know, I didn't really know it at the time. I think it actually took two years down the road for me to really figure out why I wanted to play professional golf. There's a lot of bad reasons to play. You could do it for the money. You could do it because you want the lifestyle. You could do it because you don't know what else to do. Um, you could do it because someone else wants you to do it. Those are all bad reasons. And when things get really difficult, uh, you need some good reasons to fall back on. And uh, that happened to me kind of end of 2018, early 2019. Um, got to a point where I basically couldn't finish nine holes with a dozen golf balls. It sounds ridiculous, but I had some serious full swing demons and um, it really made me sit back and think, why am I doing this? Why am I here? And it made it, it became really clear why I decided to turn pro in the first place and why I couldn't walk away from very high level competitive golf is um, I love to compete. I'm a very, very competitive person. I'm not a super competitive person against other people though. I'm really competitive with myself. Like, even if it's ping pong against my roommate. Like if I lose, I'm okay with it as long as I got the best out of myself. Um, so for me, getting up and trying to get the absolute best out of myself every day and improving and you know, coming back to a tournament like this and thinking I finished second last year, but I like my skill set even better right now than I did at this time last year. And that's the stuff that gets me out of bed at five in the morning and, uh, and really excited to get after my day. Now, Mav, I know Stuart Haggis that's really glad that you decided to play professional golf. Just just putting that out there. Um, that's all right. That's all right. But, I don't want to get beat by those slap cuts either. Exactly. <laughs> um, but, I, I mean, 11 wins in college, like I mentioned before, that tied you with Tiger Woods, with Patrick Rogers for the program record at Stanford. Now, I believe you won number 11 in your first event senior year in the fall at Colonial, That's correct. Um, had maybe three or four top five finishes after that. How much did that record kind of weigh on you at all, if it did? Um, it, was, it was a factor in a lot of different things. Um, I, I thought a lot about my senior year. I haven't won a golf tournament since 2016. It's crazy. I've gotten really close a lot of times, but um, it feels like I've had a four-year-long freshman year on the PGA Tour and Corn Ferry Tour. But um, it was, I, I mentioned when I started school, there were no expectations. And I think by junior year, there were like the entire world's worth of expectations on me to perform and play and compete. And uh, it, it was difficult. It, it, it caused me to have to kind of rebuild a lot of things and, and develop a lot of uh, foundation. I also think golf is a game of heaters. Like you see it with all players. Like you get on a heater and you want to ride out as long and as strong as you possibly can. And then when you're off of it, you got to work extremely hard to get back on the next one. And 2015 was one of the most ridiculous heaters of my life. I won seven out of 12 events. And that's, that was a pretty cool year for me. Um, so I'm starting to get a lot of those same feelings right now that I had uh, early in my sophomore year, freshman, end of freshman, early sophomore year, where I'm focused, I'm driven, I'm excited, and I feel really good about my golf game and the improvements I've made. And uh, results are always the last thing to catch up. So I'm just going to keep going and uh, really excited to see what the next couple of years have in store. One of the best things I saw last year at Pebble, besides that club twirl on 18, um, was your post-round interview where you talked about having to earn your own confidence. I'm mm -hmm. interested in how much confidence have you earned since then compared to maybe your sophomore year at Stanford? And also, can you lose confidence? confidence is it like a like a fuel tank that you have to continually fill up and and burn 
Um, it's, it's more something that comes and goes based on the preparation and work you put in. Obviously results factor into that. You're not going to be super confident if you're missing a cut every week, but, um, I do feel more confident. I feel like I have a better base last, uh, last year at this tournament was a really big inflection point. Now that I look back a year later, because getting so close to winning and like when I would have traded anything, um, to have been two shots better to win this golf tournament last year. Um, and then to go to Florida and I had a disastrous Florida swing. And that's when I decided that there's not much in my life right now that is more important than me putting my best foot forward every single week I play and compete. And, uh, that's kind of when I really became a morning person. I took three weeks off after Florida, made a lot of really positive life habits and, uh, I'm, I've earned that confidence by the work I put in. And I can confidently say this year I've worked harder than I've worked in my entire life, which is, uh, is a big statement. Couple of things, Maverick, before we wrap it up, what is one thing, and I'm sure there are a lot of them, but the most important thing you learned at Stanford on or off the course that has allowed you to be where you are right now? Hmm. Um, I've learned that I'd always rather be the worst player on the best team than the best player on the worst team. And that I want to surround myself with people better than me because that to, to me is how I grow and improve. And it's the way I built my team. Um, I say team Mav is, is the best team in golf from agent caddy PT uh, stats, every like travel, everything, everyone on my team that I get to work for and work with um, they're the best at what they do. And I'm, it's a really, really cool environment because everybody is so on top of it. It kicks kicks so much butt that like everyone else around them wants to do the same. Um, my caddy Travis is out there walking 18 holes after our practice round this morning because he wants to see every hole um, on the peninsula. I think before we play, um, you know, my my stats guy Hunter he puts in 30,000 steps a day when he's at on on site at a golf course. Um, uh, everybody on my team works so hard and they're doing their absolute best that it, it pulls you up. And uh, it, it, I want to win so badly for those guys, just like I wanted to win so badly for my team at Stanford. And um, that, I think I learned more than anything, the value of surrounding yourself with the best people. Final question. You just referenced the team aspect that so many people do so many things to allow you to be successful. Yeah. I've been fortunate to cover you in amateur golf, college golf, called the broadcast on the Corn Ferry Tour. I interview you on the PGA Tour. Forget everyone around you. This is just you and me. How do you yeah. define success on the PGA Tour? It's, it's very simple. If I, if I get the best out of myself every day, that's all there is to it. If I, if I pardon my uh, language, if I half-ass anything, it's hard for me to sleep at night. It bothers me. Um, if I'm someone where if I don't finish a putting drill, I will go back to the end of my practice and finish it. I will do it. If I don't, uh, if I know I left something out there, it drives me nuts and I don't let that happen. So I just do it. Like there's, there's no, there's no choice. There's no decision about it. You just do it. And uh, that's, that's basically how I, how I define success. And if I can go to sleep at night, knowing that I gave it my best today and I got the best out of myself, I'm happy. I lied. I've got one more. How prepared are you to win on the PGA tour? We'll find out. I'll know I'm prepared when I when I win and make that last putt. So Maverick, Mc, 
Well, you certainly are. It has been fun to watch the journey from your days at Stanford to your time now on the PGA Tour. I know you've got a busy week at one of your favorite spots on the entire planet. Have a great week at Pebble Beach. Maverick, we'll see you soon. Will do. Thanks, guys. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Brentley, you and I have covered Maverick for a very, very long time. It's sort of crazy to think he's four or five years removed from his college days as he looks to break through on the PGA Tour. And you got a sense of what Stanford meant to him both academically, athletically, and as an individual. And I think it's safe to say you and I maybe have never come across someone more complete, if you will, as a human being. And I think that's maybe a a really broad stroke. But here's somebody that leaves no stone unturned. Yeah, I feel like I learned something new every time I listen to him speak. And you can't say that about a lot of people in this world, let alone people on the PGA tour or in professional golf or amateur golf. So um, yeah, it's, it's always refreshing to, to talk with Mav and um, just a very interesting, smart kid and excited to, to see what, what he does kind of moving forward in his professional career. Cause I think you're in the same camp as me, Burko, in that I'm expecting Mav to, to win this season. I know he's a popular breakout candidate among all the DFS guys and fantasy golf players or gamers or whatever you call them uh he's he's a popular pick for a breakout year and i think it's easy to see why i listen to him speak yeah he couldn't get to number 12 you know it was on his radar back at stanford and intriguing that maybe the mount rushmore conversation at stanford the tiger woods patrick rogers maverick mcneely they all have 11 wins but let's assume tiger's a given which it is who else would round out your foursome for Stanford standouts through the years. Yeah, Tiger, 11 wins in two years, right? And I think we can agree Patrick Rogers with 11 wins in three years and three first-team All-American odds. He's probably has that second spot ahead of Mav. Mav's got to go number three. Uh, he's got to be in the – is it the Thomas Jefferson spot on Mount Rushmore? I, I don't know what the Oof. order is. I, have, I haven't actually been there. Have you? I have not been there either. So we're just going to say that, uh, you know, impressive foursome up there carved out of the stone. So, yeah, I think it's a no-brainer, as you said. Tiger did it in two years, Patrick in three, Maverick in four. Maybe the intriguing question is who rounds out that quartet for, uh, you know, for Stanford men's golf? Okay, so I'll throw out three names, um, and then we can kind of break it down and decide from there. We'll go from the bottom first. Uh, Andrew Yoon. Uh, played kind of in that early 2000s um, or 2010s. Um, two wins in four years. Uh, one time first team All American. I think he was second team another time, 71.5 scoring average. So he's kind of on that low end, maybe also receiving votes. Um, Nota Begay, four wins in four years. One time first team All American, 72.6 scoring average. Although scoring average, you can't really compare because it, it, it's it it's get, gets better across the board um, as we move into present day. But then here's the guy who's kind of has my 
fourth nod, and that's Joe Kreibel. Seven wins in four years, three-time first-team All-American, 71.72 scoring average. For me, Kreibel's got that fourth nod. Um, I mean, do you, do you tend to agree? Yeah, I, I think that's a good call. And then when you sort of see the numbers out there, you go back to the 96 U.S. Amateur, Pumpkin Ridge, Tiger won his third in a row. It was an all-Stanford slash Florida semifinals. You had Steve Scott beating Robert Floyd, and you had Tiger Woods taking down Joel Kreibel. I mean, Kreibel was theoretically that close to winning a U.S. Amateur. I knew he was good. I knew he was really good. But when you see these numbers, um, I have to give him a nod, and, and I think pretty easily. Yeah, he also won the Western, I think, one year going away and beat our colleague Aaron Oberholzer. Whoa, whoa, look at you. Pretty sure. I, I, I think that's a story that, that AO likes to tell, um, that Joel Kreibel kind of – or maybe Aaron ended up winning. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he tracked down Joel Kreibel. I'm not sure. We'll, we'll have to go back and – and look at that another time. But and also one more name I'm going to throw out uh, just to get the women involved. Maybe Rose Zhang ends up on that Mount Rushmore. Maybe Rose yeah. Zhang or Rachel Heck, depending on how long they stay. Yeah, it's early. And if you really want to go back in the archives, do you put Tom Watson in there? Do you put Sandy Tatum in there? Uh, you could certainly uh, go down that rabbit hole if you like. But I think we'll keep things status quo for the time being. Uh, you mentioned Southwestern Invitational. We were in uh, Westlake Village, California, North Ranch. We had the potential of an intriguing final day, but I think Arizona State made a very big early statement individually and team-wise to, at least right now, they're the team to beat. And we know that can change week in, week out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was quite a juxtaposition of last year versus – you know, last week or two weeks ago, and that a year ago, remember, Arizona State had the lead going into the back nine. They had the lead, I believe, with five holes to play. Shoot six six over on that back nine. Granted, San Diego State kind of caught fire and ended up clipping them by three. But they left California that night kind of feeling like they let one get away from them still. And to be able to turn around a year later, um, shoot six under on the back nine and win by 13 shots and set a tournament scoring record at 30 under and beat the host Pepperdine who actually played pretty well. I thought Um, that's just a huge statement and it's just a testament to the job that Matt Thurman's done. Um, He's got a heck of a starting five and got a couple guys back home that could probably play on a lot of these teams. But the impressive thing to me is yes, David Poosh won this tournament again for the second straight year and Cameron Sisk, I think is got to be on the very short list for player of the year candidates right now. But Preston Summerhays to me has been, been the X factor. I know going into the fall, we kind of talked about maybe Ballesteros is, is that freshman that could jump in and contribute right away. But Preston Summerhays has done nothing but, you know, ascend to a kid who could be an All-American this year. I mean, if, if he keeps it up and keeps improving like he has been, um, I think the sky's the limit for him, and he's going to be a tough, tough out once they get into match play and once they get into the postseason. I'll even jump on that and take it a step further. I think Preston Summerhays is going to be a star. I think he's going to be an absolute star. He has the demeanor. He has the pedigree, the resume. I think two, three years from now, maybe sooner, we'll be talking about Preston Summerhays as one of the best players in the country. Still early, 
But as you said, the transition for a lot of freshmen takes a while. Uh, I think he's going to get through it quicker than, than most others we've seen. Uh, another team that did play out there, Texas Longhorns, shorthanded. The Cooties both out with the uh, injuries to the elbow. You sort of pitched me uh, a question getting ready for this one. Can they withstand the Cooties injuries? No chance. If this is the lineup moving forward, wow. they're in big trouble. They're in huge trouble. Now, it doesn't mean in the four to six week window that both Parker and Pearson are supposed to be back, but you're talking three, four months away. Who, who says that elbow is going to be 100%? Give me another part of the body that every shot, every impact with the ground, that that might not pose a problem. I hope it doesn't. I hope they're healthy. But looking at the question you said, can they withstand the injuries? Not with what they were able to put out there um, this past week in California. Yeah, maybe a wrist injury or something, maybe a little bit more penal. But yeah, I mean, you're right. The, the arm and that consistent uh, impact with the ground. I'm kind of looking at it, at it at a different way. Obviously, their hopes, no doubt, hinge on are they healthy and are they in the lineup? Because they're not going to win a national title. No offense to Alejandro Gonzalez and Will Thompson and Randall Fodige, but they're not going to win a national title without the Cooties in the lineup. The side of the coin I'm looking at this from, Burko, is that last year, remember how they ran out of gas? They played all these tournaments. Hammer and Cootie played the Walker Cup. They played the Byron Nelson. They really didn't have any time off. And they're not going to play the Walker Cup this year, obviously, because, you know, it's in two years and also in the fall but or the late summer. And they're not going to play a PGA Tour event. They're going to be rested. But I think this break could be good for the Cooties. I mean, these are these are highly competitive kids that are always on the range. They're always working with their instructor, Chris Como, or something else and hitting drive after drive, um, almost Bryson-like. And maybe this time away allows them to kind of recharge mentally recharge physically um, in terms of other body parts, other muscles. And if they can come back and shake the rust off by, let's say, big 12s, I think they're going to be in good position because they're going to be charged up. They're going to be fueled up. And I think they're going to be ready to go. Yeah, it's certainly one of the big question marks and uh, storylines we're going to monitor over the course of, of the spring in the next uh, three to four months heading into Greyhawk and the national championships. Another team that got off to a nice start in North Florida, Florida Gators, great final day. What does that mean to their prospects in your estimation? Yeah, I actually just got off the phone with their head coach, JC Deacon, and he talked about how October 20th, which was the day after their last event of the fall at Isleworth, where they finished tied for fifth. And it really was a fall in which they didn't contend at all. Like they weren't in the mix for for one final round in three or four tournaments. And you said that day, they all kind of gathered. They were at practice. They decided to change a few things up. He didn't say exactly what specifically, but two months later, he said this team has really flipped and has really bought in from Ricky Castillo to some of the younger guys like John Dubois had a great week, top five at the Seabest. Um, obviously, there's a long way to go, he said, but it certainly you know, felt good to finally be in the mix and get the job done in comeback fashion. And you're going to love this, Burko. A PGA Tour player, arguably maybe in his prime, maybe just coming out of this prime, is now their volunteer assistant coach. Billy Horschel, I know uh, he's one of your close friends, but 
the impact that that could have on a team to make some of these guys believe that, hey, I, I am pretty good. Because um, I think confidence is a big issue for that team or has been, especially down the lineup. So for Billy to be around that team more, to be able to call the guys, to be able to boost their confidence and tell them what they're doing well, maybe something that they need to get better at, I think that's going to be huge. And that could be that could be something that unlocks something within this team as we move forward. And consider who's their assistant coach now, who used to be their volunteer, Dudley Hart. Dudley Hart. You've got PGA Tour winners at your disposal in Gainesville uh, that maybe it will give you that tough love <laughs> that yeah. hey, you're, you're not as good as you think you are. There's going to be work uh, that you need to put in to get uh, to the ultimate goal of you know achieving um, what's on your uh, checklist, if you will. So it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out over the next couple of months. Real quickly, next week we're going to do a big dive sort of on the spring preview and the departures of players heading to the LPGA Tour. But let's finish this one with the biggest departure from college golf, one of the very best players in the country that you did some digging to sort of find out. Everyone's caught by surprise of what came out of Stillwater, Oklahoma in the past few days. Yeah, Kayla McGinty, who's the second-ranked player in the country for the Oklahoma State women, won two times in the fall, was you know, on the shortlist for the Yonica Award. Uh, watch list going into the spring decides that she doesn't want to play for the cowgirls anymore. And initially, um, you know, you, you think that, all right, something, something probably went wrong. I mean, we're not privy to that kind of information, but um, you know, we, we've, we've seen kind of the mental health aspect of golf these last few years with Bubba and Matt Wolf and some other players. And, you know, maybe she just, didn't feel comfortable there. She wasn't enjoying herself. So she's back in the portal. I don't know what she's going to do because she's already transferred once. Remember, she was at Kent State. She was the MAC freshman of the year, MAC player of the year. Um, and then when you transfer a second time, you got to sit out a whole year. So unless she goes back to Kent, Ohio, which I guess is a possibility, she's going to have to sit out till the following fall. So fall 2023. So I'm not sure exactly what's going on. I, I think all signs might point or most signs might point to her returning home to England and perhaps playing some amateur golf before turning pro. But, you know, huge hit for Greg Robertson's team. Um, they still have some great players. Madison Hinton, Tolchard just won their uh, spring opener out in Arizona. So, I mean, they, they still will be okay. But when you're talking about challenging, as we've talked about, one of the best teams of all time and, and Stanford, it's going to be hard to do it without Kayla McGinty. Yeah, a huge, huge loss for Oklahoma State. They were undefeated in the fall. Their winning streak ended uh, kicking off 2022 a week or two ago. So uh, we will have to see um, what adjustments that lineup will have to make and maybe what players can step in uh, and help that supporting cast in Stillwater. Uh, we can keep going and going, but that's why we do it weekly now. Our thanks to Maverick McNeely, former Stanford standout, for joining us on the podcast. Our thanks to you for listening as well. We will do it again next week, and we'll have some more fun, Brentley, as the road to Greyhawk officially underway. Uh, thanks again for uh, tuning in for this edition of College Golf Talk. We'll catch you next week. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. 
Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack.